Hello, dear listeners. If you're new here, we extend a warm welcome and invite you to explore our rich catalog of spine-tingling tales. There's plenty to catch up on while we're on a brief break, preparing new episodes. And to our loyal followers, thank you for your continued support. If you're looking for even more chilling stories, consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Your subscription helps us bring those tales to life. We'll be returning soon with more stories and possibly a longer, more elaborate storyline to our episodes. Until then, happy listening, and remember, the night is just the beginning. Hello and welcome to True Crime Stories for Sleep. Before we start, we want to extend a heartfelt thank you for our dear subscribers. Your support is not just appreciated, it's what fuels this journey. You are now part of our journey and we will do our best to create the most amazing experience for you. So, thank you for being a part of the show. And now, let's get into the episode. The Murder of Nicole Ledger Nicole Ledger had some difficulties earlier in life. At 17, she was a stunning beauty, but unmarried and pregnant. After her son was born, she danced in a few strip clubs around the Dallas area to make ends meet. By the time she was in her 30s, things were looking up. Her son was in high school and she was working as an assistant for a stockbroker, enrolled in nursing school, and she had just met a wonderful man who treated her like an angel. That man was Mike Adams. Mike was 16 years older than Nicole and made his living as a repo man, repossessing cars when people didn't make their payments. He did quite well with his work and owned a nice new home in the affluent Dallas suburb of Frisco, Texas. When Mike and Nicole first started dating, he was a perfect gentleman, bringing her flowers and writing her love notes. It wasn't long before Mike asked Nicole and her son Trey to move in with him. The bliss didn't last long, though. Things fell apart quickly. Mike was obsessive with his personal belongings in his home. He took pride in meticulously maintaining his luxurious house. Items in the closets, cupboards, and refrigerator were all perfectly organized to the point that labels on cans had to be facing the same direction, as if they were on a supermarket display. Even a pool table was strictly a showpiece, never to be used. Same with a fancy circular white couch. Mike allowed no one to sit on it. He worried that using it might get the couch dirty. Order was important to Mike. Even his extensive handgun collection was sorted by caliber size. One evening, Mike made spaghetti for Nicole, knowing it was her favorite dish. But when Trey spilled a bit of sauce on the tile floor, Mike blew a gasket. A simple spill that was easily cleaned up created a yelling spree that lasted for over a week. Less than two months after Nicole and her son moved in, they moved out. The yelling was just more than Nicole could handle. Mike wasn't used to being left by a woman, so he turned the charm back on and asked Nicole if he could treat her to dinner at a nice restaurant. During their meal, he apologized all over himself and swore he wouldn't yell at her ever again. Mike was the perfect gentleman again. After dinner and a perfect evening, he took Nicole back to his house and asked her to marry him. Nicole couldn't resist a big diamond ring 
and couldn't see through his fake charm. She accepted his proposal, and they decided that she should move back in. Of course, almost immediately after moving back in, the argument started again, and they escalated. The yelling got so heated that during an argument, Mike forcefully ripped the ring from Nicole's finger, requiring a trip to the hospital for a fractured finger. Nicole and her son got a new apartment across town and tried to put the past behind them. But life would not return to normal for Nicole. She came home from work one evening to find the front door wide open and their dog missing. A few days later, they learned a car hit the dog and it had died. Another day, Nicole came home to find someone had broken into their home and poured bleach all over her clothes. Finally, her car mysteriously caught fire while parked outside their apartment. Nicole suspected Mike was behind all of these anomalies, but she had no way to prove it. She wasn't able to afford a new car on her own, so Mike used the opportunity to come to the rescue and offered to co-sign on a loan for a new car. She believed she had no choice and accepted his offer. In March 2013, Nicole took the car title to Mike's house. She wanted him to sign off on the title so the car would be all hers and she would be done with him. She wanted Mike out of her life and also needed to pick up some of her belongings she had left there. Mike again turned on the charm and offered to make spaghetti for her, knowing she couldn't resist a nice plate of pasta. He claimed he was trying to make peace, but peace was the last thing on his mind. It didn't take long for the knockout drug to take effect. Mike had spiked the spaghetti sauce, incapacitating her for a few hours. The drug took some time for full effect, and Nicole remembered being walked into the bedroom and Mike taking her clothes off. I'm saying no, but I can't do anything. I can't move my arms or legs, Nicole told police. Mike bent Nicole over and inserted a large sex toy into her. They had never used sex toys when they were a couple. Mike then started taking pictures of her with a dildo inside her. Then she passed out completely. When Nicole woke up, she was in the bedroom hogtied with rope. Still naked, her hands were tied behind her back and her ankles were tied together. She was unable to scream because her mouth was gagged with duct tape. She managed to get herself untied and ran naked from the house to the nearest neighbor's house, screaming and banging on the door. But Mike heard her screams before the neighbors did and grabbed her and dragged her back into his garage. In the garage, Mike put down a large plastic tarp on the floor, handcuffed her, and bound her ankles with zip ties. His anger consumed him, and he tried ripping her hair out, but couldn't get it to come out, so he cut her hair using a knife. After being held captive for a full 24 hours, Nicole realized the only way she would get out of this alive was to reason with him. She promised that she wouldn't press charges if he let her go, and vowed they would stay together and go to couples counseling. It took time, but Mike finally agreed and released her. Nicole immediately went to the hospital and reported the assault to the police. She pleaded with them to lock him up. They let her know that she would have to testify against him. He's going to end up killing me, she told the investigators. 
Police searched Mike's house and car. Mike had planned on getting rid of the evidence, and in the trunk of the car they found what they were looking for, the sex toy, the zip ties, and duct tape with her hair still attached. They even found the near-empty jar of spiked spaghetti sauce. Detective Scott Greer was in charge of her case. Police arrested Mike on charges of aggravated sexual assault and unlawful restraint, but he easily made bail and was now a free man awaiting trial. Because of his release, Nicole was granted an emergency protective order against him. Mike was to have no contact with her at all. Nicole and her son moved 20 miles away to Melissa, Texas, in another county. She used a friend's name to rent a home and set up her utilities in hopes it would keep Mike from finding her. Her hopes vanquished when Mike sent flowers to her home. She did not understand how, but he had found her. Nicole filed another police complaint as this clearly violated her protective order. She told police, I feel like he will show up at my door or car at any time. Her complaint to police only angered Mike more. She came home from work one day to find a plastic tarp and handcuffs on her front porch. Obviously, a not-so-subtle threat from Mike. He didn't want her to testify against him. Nicole and her son were terrified. In August 2013, they visited her father in Florida to get away for a while. He pleaded with her to stay with him there and told her there was nothing worth going back to Texas for, but Nicole didn't listen. That was the last time her father saw her. On September 9, 2013, Nicole's 17-year-old son returned home from school to find his mother dead. Nicole's body lay face down and naked on her bed with two gunshot wounds to her face. Working for an auto repossession company, Mike had used a GPS tracking device that he attached to her car to track her every move. Police promptly arrested Mike Adams and charged him with capital murder, a term used only in seven states that meant the crime was eligible for a penalty of execution. Crime scene investigators recovered two used condoms at the scene. Both had DNA that didn't match Mike or anyone in police databases, but the outside of one condom matched Mike's DNA. Clearly, he had tried to plant evidence. Police also saw on his work computers that he had been tracking her using the GPS system and had searched for routes to her home in Melissa, Texas. The most damning evidence, however, was a storage locker in his ex-wife's name, where they found a massive arsenal of guns, one of which ballistically proved to be the gun that fired the two slugs into Nicole's face. During the trial, it was revealed, however, that Nicole and Detective Greer, the officer she filed a complaint with, had exchanged sexual texts. A search of Greer's cell phone showed Nicole had been sending the detective nude photos of herself. Greer testified in court that their involvement was limited to only photos and they had no physical involvement, but this information helped Mike's defense. His attorneys claimed that the case against Mike was compromised by Greer's involvement with Nicole. None of that affected the outcome of the trial, though, and the jury returned a guilty verdict. Mike Adams was convicted of capital murder. In the state of Texas, capital murder carries an automatic sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole.
Thanks for listening to True Crime Sleep Stories. If you aren't asleep yet, consider following the show. Maybe our next story will give you the peace of mind you desperately need. Or not.